You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post game podcast. All right, so we do this. Now, the introduction said it's Al and Jerry, but Al's not here because he's been out all week, but I am back. Eddie's been here all week. And so Eddie Scazzeri sits in for Al on the podcast. What up, dude? Hello, podcast people. A couple of things for you. This is not going to be a long one today because, quite frankly, I prepared nothing. Um, I had to deal with the warm-up show with Sal, which is coming up in just a couple of minutes. You can you can hear that. Plus, I had to, I don't know, work and edit 32 minutes worth of Aaron Rodgers content this morning. But a couple of things I wanted to hit you up with. One, which we'll get to in a moment, but I don't want to lose my train of thought with what just happened with uh, a couple of guys that were here. Um, I want to get to the Woodstock 99 thing, which came up on the show. And literally, uh, ironically, I just watched it over the weekend because a few people sent it to me. And I have some things from that I want to ask you about. But just overhearing a conversation in the newsroom about careers and career paths, an interesting topic came up. And that is how long do you stick with your dream job at your dream place, but not making dream money as you get older? as opposed to I need to grow up because it's not going to happen there and I got to go do this, which clearly is not going to be as much fun, a lot more work, harder work, but better pay. And it's an interesting concept because I think when you're 18 and you're 22, it's fine. But as you, you're in your 30s, it's, it's, it's a tough decision to make because you're happy, but you can't pay all your bills. Well, you for know? me, the answer is uh, almost 32 years. You're a different case, though, because you didn't have children, that which is helps. A, I was going to say that. That is a big, Huge. big factor. Yes. Immensely different. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to be an a-hole, but when you think about the money you can make, some of us do make, some of us don't make, and then you bring one, two, three kids into mm-hmm. the mix and forget about doctor bills and all that stuff, just things like, and food, forget all the, the necessities, just things like after-school activities, Payments, even if you go to public school, payments you're making the school for activities at school. You're constantly writing checks and Venmos and debits. And like it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you you made the smart decision. You didn't want them and you didn't force yourself into it. And then it's it's not like those other things you mentioned. Um, are They're not necessities. But in a way, they are. If you want your kids to be just a, you know, a normal kid and have the some of the things or most of the things that other kids have, yeah. you have to have that expense unless you want your kid to be deprived and, and be an outcast. You got to lay out the money. Well, him. now you're talking about keeping up with the Joneses. In a way, yes, but you're doing it not for yourself. You're doing it for your kid. For sure. Which is a whole, that's a just that's another equation. See, and, and now, now you actually sound sympathetic because Eddie on the air or Eddie in the newsroom would say, listen, kid, life's full of disappointments. Get over it. Well, yes, but no, no, I, I, I do understand, and that was that's a huge cost that Al and myself we do not have, and and it goes beyond just what you're talking about. You, you then you want to talk about their uh, having giving them the best chance at a great education, and for them to get a great job, you're talking about hundreds of thousands. Of dollars, oh, if yeah. you have two or three kids and you want them to go to a good school, and they're not uh, academically or athletically uh, going to get a scholarship, that's a lot of money. Yeah, sure is. I mean, I'm looking at. I, I think I'm I'm in a good spot in that me working at Rutgers 
with the basketball team has really, at least at this point, it seems like it's really hooked in Matthew. Like he wants to go to Rutgers. He's experienced the rack sellouts. He has seen what it's become. Not that he's walked the campus, but he's been around enough of it to say it's pretty cool. Um, and so, and he's also got the comforts of home where I don't, I don't know what he'll do, but he's got a lot of freedom home and we're not overbearing parents. We're not, you know, we give him all the freedoms he wants in the house. I think it's very possible he could end up commuting to Rutgers. Mm -hmm. If he does that, my God, everything changes for me. Sure. Cause otherwise you're looking at no joke and it doesn't matter where you go. You're looking at 40 to $60,000 a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And even if he wants the, the living on campus experience, it's not that bad. No, I would say from what I can see, it's not nearly, uh, clearly it's not as bad as going out of state for Correct. sure, but it significantly is more. Yes. Yes, it is. But it's not, it's, you know, but you know, he may want that experience. He might, he might, or at least have that experience for two years or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe his sophomore and junior, whatever the case may be to just to try that out. Cause that's an important part of the college experience for a lot of people. Now I, I I get a lot of people do the commuting uh, to school, but, and by the way, on top Rutgers is a great F and great school. school. Yes. Great school. Academically. It's fantastic. Yes. And I agree with you. Some people I think need to get away. I never, I never felt the need to do it because a, I kind of had the freedoms I'm talking about. We give him. And so I never felt, like my parents were pushing me out or they were constantly staring at me. They weren't on me for, you know, if I, they said be home at 12, if I got home at 12, 15, they weren't like standing at the door like, where were you? There was leeway. If, as long as you communicated, they were great. And I feel like we're the same way with him. And also I had so many friends that went away. I did enough of those weekend trips. I was good. Mm-hmm. Like it was nuts. And was it fun? Yes. There were also many weekends I was thrilled to get in the car and go home mm-hmm. because it's like, I can't, this is too much. And um, I tell you, well, I was, I honestly, I was led kind of a, a sheltered life. I would grew up in New York City, but it was Staten Island. Right. And Staten Island then was a lot different than it is now. And I went to Catholic school for 12 years. So I didn't have the public school, wasn't toughened up, you know, by, by, you know, going to public school. And uh, it was a huge adjustment for me, which I, I actually needed to develop as a person. But that first week away, that was rough for was me. It? it was eye-opening. In what way? Just being on your own and... Yeah. And then, Like, you did know, you miss your parents? Yeah. Mom and dad weren't there, you know? It's like, wow, okay, this is on me. Yeah. You know, if I make stupid decisions... There's no one here to bail you out. Exactly right. And you were... In Stony Brook, you were two hours away. Like that's way out oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah. And by and I didn't have a car the uh, first couple of years. It was only until my maybe halfway through my junior year that I had wow. a vehicle out. There. You went two hours away and had no vehicle. Yeah. So would you take the Long Island Railroad uh, to go home? So I didn't go home every weekend. Even hmm. you know would have to get on the LIRR into Penn and then subway down to the Staten Island Ferry. Yeah, sure. And they would pick me up at the Staten Island Ferry. You know? I do wonder, and I guess I guess the answer is student loans, and that's why so many people, you know, fall into ridiculous um, amounts of debt. You know, I, we've saved money since Matthew was born, but I can tell you right now, there's not enough there for four full years of college. No, and part of that is we've and we made the decision; it's on us. But we've made the decision to pay tuition in grammar school and high school too, so it's not as easy to just pluck mm-hmm. away a thousand dollars a month, or you know, we've done half that. I would say, because we still have those bills as they're going through. And there's it's amazing to me that you can send your kid to private school like we do, and none of that's tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Like our right. accountant said to us, was it last year or two years ago? Whatever it was, maybe three years ago. Never forget when he said, you realize what you're paying for school? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I know the tuition. He goes, no, 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 You're paying for school and your taxes. He goes, you're paying double. Mm-hmm. He goes, and then this isn't tax deductible, so double that. He goes, mm-hmm. you don't want to know what the real number is. I'm like, nope, no, I don't. No, I don't. And when I was going to, I don't know how it was uh, for you, but when I was going to Catholic grammar school, for sure, it was ridiculously cheap. Now, they did say you had to make the donation in the Sunday little yeah, sure. you know, thing they pass around in church, and they used to track that. Oh, yeah, they still track it. You know, which was kind of part of your, but it was still ridiculously cheap. It was not ridiculously cheap. For, but it was, but when I was growing up. Yeah. And then high school wasn't that bad. 
And then I went to a state school, you know, as a New York State resident. Yeah, sure. I went to, so, you know, my education of luckily was not at like, but today it's insane. So anyway, this started with the conversation of, do you stick with the dream job and hope as you struggle or do you go get the real paying job? It's a tough decision for a lot of people. Well, And it also depends on your spouse. If yeah. he, he or she has got uh, a job that pays a lot more, that was my case. That Besides the no children, mm-hmm. my wife was a computer programmer and was making very good money for the first oh, 10 years of our marriage. And then she got to a point, it's very, it's a, it can be a tough field, especially yep. for a woman. It, she got to a point where she just couldn't take it anymore. And we kind of did the math and, you, you know, figured my, it out. And right. And my meager salary had increased a little bit by that point. And we figured we could make it. And her parents had helped us out, you know, and when we were in a tight spot for this or for that. So that was a, you know, something I could lean on. But a lot of people don't have that. Right. No question. And then the other topic for you, and only because I just watched it and it became a topic this morning on the show, is this Woodstock 99. Now, are you familiar with any of it? Did you see this or nothing? I am not at all. I knew that it had happened, but I really had forgotten about it. I kind of forgot that there was a, a 94, yeah, and that there was I, incidences uh, with the 90. I guess at the time I kind of remember, but to me, Woodstock, I'm thinking Woodstock. Yeah, know, sure. Late 60s and the, you know, the three days of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and the mud and the Yasker's farm, the whole thing. The historical Woodstock. The other one doesn't really resonate with me. I remember the 94 one because I remember they brought back some of the older group. I do remember that. The 99 one, I the only thing I remember from it before watching the documentary um, yeah, over the weekend, I remember the Chili Peppers were playing. And I was big into the Chili pepper, Chili Peppers. That's probably when I started really getting into them, probably mid to late 90s. And I remember they were playing, and not that they were headlining, but they were either closing it out or they had one of the one of the nighttime slots and I remember saying we were we were just getting we had just gotten married. And I remember saying I'd love to take a weekend trip up there. And my wife and Kim's going, "Are you out of your mind?" She goes, "We're going to St. Lucia on our honeymoon. We're not going up to upstate New York for." I mean, she was right. I mean, it was still, so we didn't go. That's all I remember about it. So I watched this and a couple of takeaways from it. A, it was weird. Boomer was right. It was strange when you looked at the lineup that they had Jewel playing. A lot of more said I thought made sense, but Jewel playing and there was oh come on, there was one other one that I'm blanking out on now. Cheryl Crow. Mm-hmm. Sort of made, Jewel to me didn't make sense at all. Cheryl Crow, kind of, because K-Rock kind of played some of her stuff. And Alanis Morissette was played on those stations sure. for sure. Um, but the hard rock sense and nature to the show, it was interesting to me that it was basically written, the documentary was shot. I don't even have to say that. It, it just described white males as just angry, nasty human beings. Mm -hmm. And they blame the music on it. And what I found interesting is, A, I loved K-Rock back in the day. And I never realized Al worked with Booker until working with him. But I loved Booker. I loved Kane. It was Cabby, all these guys. But I liked the music. That was like, to me, you know, it was you going in from Nirvana to Pearl Jam, and Pearl Jam's still around, you know, into the offspring and bands like that. They mentioned, uh, you know, Creed played this 99 thing. But all the footage was so horrendous that I sit there and say, how was it not shut down after one day, A? B, you basically stereotyped all white males, but part of that were the acts you had. You know, when you've got Corn, Metallica, Limp Biscuit, like angry rock rap or 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 heavy metal, like what are you, what are you expecting? It's kind of like if you put... Um, if you had a, a Woodstock for country music, you're going to have people, I would think country bumpkins going, I don't know. I, the whole thing was bizarre to me. Just, I feel like they just slanted it in a way that made us look like just the worst human beings on the planet. And where was this uh, documentary? It was in Rome. No, but the documentary, what, what the platform was HBO on? Max, I, I HBO. got it on. Okay. I do get that. I think it's so. worth your time. It's almost, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Um, I'd love to know what you think about it. They they really destroyed Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, who and and this is the part of me that again, if I went to see him play, there are certain songs I expect him to sing. Well, the fact that he's cursing in the songs, 
that's how the song was written. And if you mm -hmm. listen to it on the radio, it would be muted out, but you knew what he was saying. And they made it seem like this was the worst music ever put on vinyl or on CD. Meantime, you know, they're one in one A. Rap music's just as bad. Sure. I mean, some of it is just appalling. Pop music is appalling if you put Z100 on. Mm-hmm. And yet I felt like they wrote this like, oh my God, this this was the music that basically, you know, turned society on its on its ear. I don't know. I, the way it was written, I thought it was very slanted. Yeah, well, it sounds as if, yeah, I haven't seen it, but that's what it, so how you're describing it seems sort of a, an unfair uh, pigeonholing. Of like, let me ask you this. This is a good, and this is a good one. So they had this whole uh, portion of the documentary, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it. Of course they should have where they were talking about how women were being groped, how women were um, sexually harassed. Um, and then they only spent, they spent very few, uh, not much time, very few, a few minutes on the fact that there were women just walking around with their tops off. Mm -hmm. And the way they wrote that was it was like this big orgy and rape fest in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Well, my question to you would be, if you put 400,000 people in one place for a full weekend with drugs, alcohol, and very little oversight. I, does it really matter what kind of music it is? Like, I felt like they they made it seem like the, the white male and that music drove it to anarchy. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how you can control that many people in that environment with literally no police presence, like nothing. Yeah, no, no, no uh, National Guard or anything no. like that. They had poorly trained security that basically looked the other way because they didn't know what to do. Right. So I just thought it was an attack on that event, as bad as the event was, and it was bad, especially if you saw the end of it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I just thought it was, I, I feel like you could probably write that story for a lot of events that put 500,000 people mm -hmm. in one place, 100 degree weather, and alcohol and drugs. Right. And, and the original Woodstock has sort of been like, you know, people look, it's a nostalgic and it's like you know yes it was sex drugs rock and roll and mud and sweat and all that stuff but there's like people are in awe of that event after yeah. all these years have gone by but that wasn't great either right that was a mess there was one guy in the documentary that basically says we you know we look at it like it was this great event in our history a deeper look is it was pretty sick the original one. yes yeah right kind of like this one was but for whatever reason, we romanticize with the previous right. one and this one they just crushed. Mm -hmm. And again, don't misunderstand me. The last day was a disgrace. There's no doubt. But I don't know what you expect when you have that many people and no oversight. Right. And for that long. And it's going yeah. on. And it's the mob mentality takes over. And as things are getting bad, why would you keep it going? Shut it down. Get them mm -hmm. out. I, the whole, I don't know, the whole premise of the way it was written I, was weird. The fact that the organizers kept the thing going to me was weird. And I, it was, it's an interesting watch because it makes you think in a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you get an hour or two. Well, I'll, I'll have some time this week coming up. That's right, you're off. Yes, I am. Very weird summer so far. Everybody's off at different times. I kind of yeah. like it though. Yeah, it's it's been it's been good. And, and that the... Five of us have been here more, at all times. Well, more, but it's been where all of us are here. It's been more than any other summer that I can remember. There's been more. That's, there's been at least like yeah. eight shows, maybe nine. Probably. We're we're all here. But at some point, someone's always here. Which is uh, cool. Yes, yes. Except for Labor Day. Uh, yeah, that week might be a mess. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think we're done. Okay. I'm sorry I talked too much. My bad. It's all right. Anything you want to add? Uh, floor is yours. See you. <laughs> All right. The way you guys killed me for that last week, I heard. Uh, the warm-up show is coming up next. See ya. <laughs> it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning.
and Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't Most suck. days, but today you never know. A couple of minutes after 5 o'clock, what is up? We got the Eddie Scazzeri Flegelman's here, too. Look at that. He's early, not too bad. And hanging around for his sixth hour of the night. His name is Salvatore Licato. What's up, Sal? How are you? I've only been on since 2 a.m., Jerry. You're giving me too much Oh, credit. details. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. l- l- whatever. Tonight. I- tonight I'm on a midnight. Tonight's so a mid- Oh, tomorrow's the six-hour one for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to close out the week. It's been a long week, but a fun one. And, of course, I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to do an hour with you. This is always fun. How was your vacation? Uh, no, I was. I didn't go anywhere, so it's not a vacation. I talked to Evan Roberts oh. the other day. So I talked to Evan on, let's see, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. I forget. Then he goes, how's vacation? I said, no, 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 no. I'm off. I'm not on vacation. He goes, but you've been off for a few days. I said, I ain't go anywhere. So not vacation. I don't I don't look at it that way. That, it, to me, I'd, the reason I actually took off and I took the days off later than I anticipated was, one, we had a, uh, a championship baseball game on Tuesday night, which was fun, and I knew it might be a late night. And then, B, my cousins from California came in very unexpectedly and abruptly on, uh, I guess they told us last week they were coming. I'm like, you know what? If I get a couple of days, that's kind of fun, but not vacation. Did you, did you win the game? No, we won oh. a very good game. We lost five three. The other team scored a couple of runs in the sixth inning on us, top of the sixth, and then we went down uh, in the bottom of the sixth. Tough one. I th- I think I've become the Marv Levy of youth sports. Yes, I was gonna say another loss of the yeah. championship game. What has happened I to you, Jared? I think that's Jared? our fifth championship game loss. Wow, that's yeah. rough. Now we've and done so maybe, well. Maybe it's time weird, for though. a change. Yeah, shut up. We've done well <laughs> because we've won tournament championship games, but for whatever reason, we get to these league championship games. And you know what's amazing is none of them have been blowouts. They're all close games. We lost one two one. We lost five three the other night. Uh, we did lose one like eight to two a few years ago. The team was clearly better than us. But for the most part, they've been close games. Just- Here's the thing, Jerry. No excuses. I agree, Al. You're not wrong. By the way, it wouldn't kill you to come to work once in a while. But anyhow, so yeah, so that's why I took off the extra couple of days. And so it's been fun. But uh, now we are back. So I figure it'd be a good time because I don't think I listened for about an eh, almost an hour driving and I didn't hear you break it down. And I know how much you'd like to. So Bobby Fink. Men's 800 meter freestyle. Go your thoughts. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I've watched. I've watched exactly zero seconds of Olympic programming. Is it? I just can't get. A, are you into it? I can't get no. into it. Especially the summer. The winter's a little different. I'll watch that. Especially if you know it's cold out. You're home. Something's on TV. Maybe there's not as much. You know, there's no baseball on, so it's not a, a daily thing. With the the summer, I'm not. I'm either out. Or if not, I'm watching baseball. I'm watching. The, I'm not watching the summer Olympics. Well, isn't that the hardest part? Even with baseball during the summer, like it's kind of cool in the spring. Kids are still in school. You're still in your routine, and it's not nice out. I I find it really hard to watch these weekend games. You know, unless you're home and you're outside, and you got the you bring the TV out or something like mm-hmm. that. You're all you know. You're here. You're there. You're going to the beach. You got parties and barbecues, and it's really more. At least for me, on the weekends, it's it's like just checking your phone every hour to see what the score is and how they got there. It's it's a really hard to sit down and watch games on the weekends. At least for me. There- there is no way a now look if you're single and you have nothing better to do anyway. I Al mean, maybe Hughes, that's a little different. Well, Al whatever. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's different. There is no way you can justify a, a sitting there on a beautiful summer afternoon watching a three four hour baseball game. Not to mention you get two of them yeah. with the Mets and Yanks. You just can't commit to it. It's as simple as that. You can't do it on an off day. So I mean, unless you're going to be on the air that night, hard to justify sitting there, especially when you know what's coming. I mean, once football season comes around, Sundays are shot. Forget yep. it. You're watching that wall to wall. So I'm with you. The, the weekend baseball, if it's a night game, a different story. But the day weekend baseball, that's a tough one to sit there and watch the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. That Saturday night seven ten start is actually kind of cool. And the one thing I would say uh, a little disagree with and I guess disagree with myself too is I don't mind that four o'clock Saturday game when you've done what you've done and now it's time for a drink outside and you put the game on you listen to whoever it is John and Susan you're listening to Dwayne and how I like that that doesn't bother me it's just that one like those one o'clock Yankee games on a summer Saturday that's a t- that's a tough one not not Brutal. easy so anyway I, I did hear and I figured I just I want to counsel you just a little bit you what got do I do? Well, no, no, because even the caller called you in the 3 o'clock hour specifically not trying to get you upset. And it's like you hear the name. I'm not even going to say his name. You hear the name. You just got to let it go. I think you've made your point. 
The Mets are what they are. The closer is what he is. Stop fighting with people about it. You're right. I, well, I no, thank you for saying I'm right. Can I tell you the biggest issue though with the with the whole thing? It's not as I said before, and I'm not gonna get worked up again. It's not worth it. It's the people on Twitter. And you could pick a topic, Jer, right? You know this from dealing with endless people on Twitter. Pick a topic, whatever it is, they just can't comprehend. And in this in a lot of cases, and in this particular case with Diaz, I can't comprehend how they can't comprehend <laughs> why I'm not a fan of his. I, I it's to me it's a fact. He's not any good. He hasn't been good at his job since he's been here. It's as simple as that. That's it. So I have more of an issue with the fans who are going against me. And even last night, oh, look good to me, four straight saves. I go, dude, did you even watch the ninth inning? And of course the response is, no, I didn't. I was putting my kid to sleep. Well, then, <laughs> then what are you What are you busting my chops for on Twitter? Right. He should have blown the game. You anyway, can't, that, you that's can't just watch. You can't just look at a box score and then make determinations on what you're seeing because you're not seeing it for sure. You know what? I've, I've thought about this for you know the last couple of years, specifically last year and this year, and I guess even in 2019 when he got here. Let's say he was a closer that you brought up through the system. And he wasn't someone that you gave up a top prospect for with these ridiculous expectations because of how good he was in Seattle. I think it would be really different. I really do. I think the fact that you thought you were getting this lockdown closer, that you were going to have no agita, you thought you had the next Mariano Rivera, and instead, you know, not for nothing, this is the life of a – look what Kenley Jansen's going through in L.A. I mean, you know, you've got so many of these guys – I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen. That's not fair. But – you can go from great to shaky really quick in that role. And unfortunately for him, when you are brought in here, having given up what they gave up to get him, man, it puts it just puts a tremendous expectation on your shoulders immediately. And guys like you, and I'm with you, I agree with you. Anytime he comes into a game, you're sitting there, you're holding your breath. So I don't disagree at all with what you're saying, but I do think part of it is because of how they got him here. Couple of things. I agree. Now I don't care about the trade and what they gave. Now, obviously, the trade was different, was bad, but for different reasons. So I'm not worried about that. But you're right about the expectation, and that's usually the scale that I would use: the expectation versus result. When the Mets got him, the expectation was that he was one of, if not the best closer in baseball, and the result was one of, if not the worst closer in Major League Baseball yeah. in 2019. So that is the major problem. And also, Jared, I'll tell you, and I get that closers are volatile. Even the best, you know, aside from Mariano Rivera, even the best of the bunch, you mentioned Kenley Jansen, there's been plenty of them who've been volatile. So it's not that they blow games. You're going to have four or five blown saves throughout the course of the year. With Diaz, it's different. First of all, it's been a constant since he's been here for now two plus years. Also, there's just, to me, a he's so erratic. Even when he gets the job done, he's coming in. The first pitch is 10 miles inside. He's all over the place. He's got to get bailed out by the defense or the offense being overly aggressive. It's just, there lacks to me, there lacks a presence, a, a true confidence that you would have. And let's say even a guy like Trevor May, who's not the closer, and I know he's gotten beat at times this year, but there's some kind of, consistency with Trevor May and there's a presence there that I trust more so with Diaz so there's just something to me that's off that's missing now there are times where he looks lights out and unhittable but for the most part I I just feel like he's lacking a presence as a true closer and that's why he drives me nuts well that's that's the you know that's the lore to him because he does have outings where his stuff is filthy and you can't touch him and you say like why is that not there every night it's about do you remember and I don't I want to say 2000 boy I want to say 2012, maybe, maybe 2011. Do you remember the one year, early 2010s, we'll call it that, where Mariano Rivera, I want to say, had three bad April outings in a row. And the conversation was very, very much like after the game in Kansas City with Tom Brady, where it was like, boy, it, it might have, it, they got him. I think it's passed him by. Do you remember, first of all, do you remember, the, you remember the game in Kansas City with Brady? where they were thinking Brady's time is done, he's finished, it's over, the run's complete, and the questions to Belichick that night and the next day where do you think you got to make a change, blah, 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 blah. Do you remember that one year with with Rivera? I believe it was April where he started, I think it was three three outings in a row where he blew the save and it was like, boy, I think the great Rivera I, is done. I do recall, I don't remember the exact season. I don't In either. my mind, it, 
In my mind, I thought it was earlier than that. I don't remember Might the. Have been. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. I mean, I forget the timeline of it, but I do recall. Look, it, it, you're right. It is similar with Brady because everybody's waiting for Ding Dong, the, the witch is dead here. At some point, you know, Brady is going to get knocked off his pedestal. Father Time is going to catch up with him. How's that going now? Years later, we're still waiting for that. <laughs> and with Rivera, he's the greatest of all time. And maybe that's look. Maybe that's a bigger issue, Jer, with Met fans where they compare closers to Rivera constantly and they're hoping to get somebody that's close to it but yeah even I mean look closers go through rough patch and Rivera people talk about guys getting beat in the postseason Chapman or Jarese Familia and I think Familia I would argue is one of the great Met closers of all time what he did in 14 15 and 16 regardless of the postseason and even Rivera got beat in the postseason so it happens it's that's not the issue with me it's more of the pitcher himself and the erratic nature of his style that's the problem yeah no there's no question about it so it's been frustrating to watch I do agree though they did win last night Michael Conforto with a really nice throw. It's fun to watch. You know, these 2-1 games, I know you want more offense, and we're going to get into Joey Gallo in just a minute after the break because the Yankees went out and did that, though not official, but I do think that that's happening and should be made official uh, soon. Uh, It's fun when you've got one of those tight games. Now, when you're watching it, maybe not so much, but after it's over, and then it ends, and that didn't end the game, but it pretty much saved the game. To see a play like that executed, you sit there and you just marvel at it. You really do. I mean, I understand why it was Ron Washington. I think why you why why you wave him home because everything's got to be perfect for things to happen. But man, when you make a throw like that, you execute a play like that. It's a fun win for them last night and one they needed too. You can't lose three out of the first four to a team that you had a chance to basically bury. Now you're not going to bury them. You only got a chance to really pick up one game if they win today. But that would have been a damaging loss last night had they lost. And it's you look, you give them credit for it. Now you're right. They should be pulling away here. Would have been nice to bury the Braves, but they did what they had to do. They get a win. The offense isn't clicking, but they did enough. The bullpen was good. Familiar picks up loop and Diaz, you know, in the ninth is what he is. But Conforto, you're right to have a game saving play like that. And for a guy in particular with Conforto, who's been getting ripped and rightfully so because his offense has been dreadful. He has played a gold glove caliber defense and that is a game saving play. So what's the difference with a, a, a walk off Homer or a, a you know, a, a, an assist from right field, throwing out the would be tying runner at home. Good for Conforto to contribute in that manner. It is exciting. One of the more exciting plays in baseball. And it's rare to see it that close. Usually the throws way off the line, uh, you know, or they're not sending the guy like that. So it was a close play and you're right. And I thought initially he bobbled did when he went to pick it up, but clearly he did not. He fired that thing in. Perfect throw. Nail on the runner at home. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got uh, we'll get into the Yankees. This Joey Gallo move, it looks like they're making. Also, Aaron Rodgers just torched the package yesterday. I went through he spoke for 32 minutes. I got through the first 18. I've got 14 more to go when I'm done with Sal. I'm actually looking forward to the last 14 minutes because, my God, he did not keep his mouth shut. And, oh, by the way, the NBA draft. How about that? You don't even think about it. But you've got that NHL free agency. There's a whole lot more to do. Boomer and G at the top. This portion brought to you by Jack Pocket. Play official state lottery games on your phone. It's Jerry and Sal until 6 on the fan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. I always love when Karen Stewart says, no train delays. God, I hope not. It's 520 in the morning. Good Lord. And I know she's. there are days where there are train delays. It's got to be brutal. It's the one thing, Sal, I know you're working 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and everything, but mostly you work at night, and clearly... This shift for us, which I, I do like. I love being home by 11.30 in the morning. I could not imagine the daily grind. And I'm 47, and I've avoided it. Aside from six months working with Mike and Chris when I had to commute in on the train, one of my hours were 10 to 6.30, I guess it was. For you know my entire adult life, I've avoided that daily grind. Could you imagine doing that for 40 years? 
No, it, it's one of the great things about working nights. I'm not just talking about overnights, but overnights specifically, which I've been doing the majority of my life uh, in radio since 2003. It's been majority of nights. There is no com- you don't have to worry about it. Uh, you you're driving in. You you off hours with the traffic going in, coming home. I don't know how anybody could wake up for an eight or not. And I've done it occasionally, but never regularly. Wake up, you know, to to be in the city by eight or nine a.m. Oh, every day. Uh, I mean, and, and then coming home and dealing with that traffic coming home. Man, that is a that's a hard life. It really is. The great part about this business is that you usually do have some sort of offset hours. I remember Joe. Uh, Beningo, he, he would work ten to one, and he would show up at six a.m. Like, what in the hell are you here for? <laughs> he goes, bro, I'm not, I'm not sitting in that traffic. And so he figured, since he only worked three hours, essentially, he just made it part of his day, and he would go to the bakery or wherever. But yeah, just brutal, brutal stuff. So anyhow, uh, Sal with me today as Al is off for the remainder of the week. He will rejoin us on Monday, I do believe. So the Yankees last night win in Tampa, another good win for them. So that's good. But they also go out and acquire, not official, but it will be soon, Joey Gallo from Texas. Now, lefty bat, power bat, makes all the sense in the world, right? I disagree. And here's why. They got another guy that strikes out 4 million times. You tell me what I'm missing here. I I know he can hit home runs. I know he will walk. I get it. I also know that he's going to strike out a gazillion times. I mean, his batting average is going to be brutal. So, I, I don't know. I know they want balance in the lineup. I feel like they got themselves another Stanton. I really do. I feel like he's going to have nights where he goes 0 for 5 and strikes out four times, and then he's going to have these unbalanced nights where he hits three home runs. It's a, I don't know. Two, it's a weird one to me. There's two different types of balance. One, I think people are fixated for some reason on the lack of lefties, right? Which I get. Okay, you want a lefty. You want to have some balance in that regard, so this would provide that. But there's also a balance into not having guys who are all-or-nothing type hitters. And that's where the Yankees, to me, are lacking. And that's the more important part than a lefty. Who cares if a guy's a lefty if he could hit? You wouldn't care if he was a right-handed hitter and he was hitting 300 with 20 homers and driving in runs and putting the ball in play. So now they add another guy, to your point, Jared, to that mix of guys who already, for the most part, guys who are going to homer and strike out a ton. And that's a problem in the postseason. Now, it is an upgrade. I mean, they upgraded their ball club. It, it fills a, a need in left field specifically. He's a guy who could actually play the outfield as opposed to Stanton, who can't play baseball. He's just a DH and not even a good one at that. So you get an upgrade in left field over whatever the Yankees have been trotting out there all year long. And you do add a lefty bat to that lineup, which changes things up a little bit. So they're better now, and maybe this helps them make a push to be a wild card team or a playoff team. But as far as you know, having the Yankees get to the next level, and become World Series contenders again, I don't think that this move is is even a a small step in that direction. I agree, and I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm not saying that he's not uh, a good outfielder. I know he's a very good outfielder. I get it, and I know he's going to hit home runs, but I do believe the Yankee fan, this to me uh, is the type of move that when you see the home run numbers and you see you know, some of the RBI, not that the RBIs are great, by the way, and I'll explain that in a second, um, you'll see some of the power numbers. You say, wow, okay, we could really use him. This, to me, is going to be an example, another example of until you see a guy every day, mm-hmm. be careful because I think the Yankee fan is going to be tremendously frustrated by watching him. Listen to some of these numbers. Now, he's not. this is not an old guy. I mean, this is not, I'm not going back 15 years and giving you numbers there. Uh, I'm talking 2015 on. These are his batting averages. For a full season, 204, 209, 206, 181, and this year he's batting 220. Now, lost in there in 2019 is his best year. He had 250. So I'll give him that. That's fine. But And here are the strikeouts. 196, 207, uh, 114 in only 70 games. This year in 95 games, he struck out 125 times. So I'm not telling you that he's not going to hit home runs. He will, and he will get on base. He will walk, and he'll play a good left field. All I'm telling you is you're going to have him and Stanton have games. I don't know when, but write it down where the two of them combine to go 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts, and you're going to be frustrated. Yeah, because that's what he does. He yes. he's a strikeout machine. And by the way, the the walks may be overrated. Right now, this year, 
he's basically at the max that he's had in his career. So he's having a career year as far as walks yes. go. And don't you think that might have something to do with the fact that, oh, I don't know, the rest of the Rangers stink? And maybe if you're thinking to yourself, why would I pitch to Joey Gallo in that lineup? So And I, I couldn't care less about the walks. But, Jared, that's the problem. In the regular season, sure, maybe he helps the Yankees here because even their guys now aren't doing enough offensively. But in the postseason, and that's what the goal, that's how we evaluate this Yankee club. Is Joey Gallo going to make a difference? Hey, at least he's consistent with that average hovering around 200 for his career. I mean, that is, that's brutal. And nobody cares. Hey, he walks, he hits home runs. Who cares if he hits 200? I guess. I'm, not, I'm with you. I don't agree with that. With that, uh, with that thinking, I don't like that at all. And I only say because they, they've got that guy already. Like they've got Stanton, who, and yeah, I give Stanton a little more credit. He has played, he has hit the ball a little bit better, but he is a home runner, strikeout, and he is the type of guy who, when he was in, he was an MVP. And the fact that he doesn't play the field when he, I don't know, it is tremendously frustrating. I would think if you're a Yankee fan, and so. He will help you. I'm just telling you, you're going to have nights where you're going to be ripping the hair. Well, you're bald, but you'll be ripping the hair out of your head <laughs> as you're trying to watch this guy. And he will hit majestic home runs, especially there. There's no question about it. But you're going to have nights where you're going to be sitting there saying, this guy stinks. Like, for real. You know, one other thing on that, and I know a lot is made of it. Oh, the short porch and right field, Yankee Stadium. How do they not have lefty bats? This is not a guy that needs the help of Yankee Stadium. So generally what you would try to do is get a hitter, a left-handed hitter who's a good hitter, that might increase his home run total because he's not a true power hitter. But if you pull some baseballs down a lot at Yankee Stadium, then they go up. This is not that with Gallo. There are other players probably that the Yankees could have gone out and gotten. I'm not saying right now. I'm saying in general over the years that they could have gotten lefty hitters and turned them into more power hitters because of the way the ball park plays that's not the case with Gallo he'll hit home runs wherever so that they, they just don't oh he's a lefty bat he's gonna hit more home runs no not necessarily he's gonna hit home runs wherever that's what he does they need a different type of bat to have Yankee Stadium help a better hitter maybe that's a left-handed guy that's not uh, as tremendous power hitter as Gallo is. now here's where I'll play devil's advocate with the two of us real quick you just brought up something uh, just prior to that comment that makes total sense. You, the fact that he's walked 74 times already, perhaps the Rangers lineup stinks, which we know it does. Now you put him in the middle of Stanton and Judge. You're not looking to walk him. So he's going to get pitches to hit. And so the numbers could be even better. Don't know. We'll see. That's the, the risk you're running. Uh, we will see what he turns out to be. As far as the game last night, the Yankees win in Tampa. You know, they're still eight and a half out in the division. To me, I don't even look at that anymore. It's about Oakland. It's about the second wild card. They're only two and a half back, and that's why you go out and get Gallo, because you feel like you are close, and you are going to make a move. But one thing you said as I was driving in that I do agree with, too, is, you know, what are they going to be in terms of a postseason team? Um, I agree. It's There have been players that have been brought up due to you know, circumstances like Greg Allen that have been a breath of fresh air. And to me, that's what you need. You know, you need to generate runs, you know, figure out a way to score in the postseason as opposed to home runner strikeout. So good move. I agree with you, Sal. Really good move for the regular season. I don't necessarily know this does anything for them in October, but we'll see. And you wonder, you wonder too, if there are other moves to be made here because you look at the Yankee lineup I mean, there's not much that that's changing there. They're not getting rid of LeMayu. They're not getting rid of Torres. Stanton, unfortunately, is not going anywhere. Sanchez is there. Judge is there. Rochelle is there. Where, where are they? This is probably the move. And the starters have been pretty good. I'm not so sure the Yankees even have what it takes to go out there and get a top starter that would be available. The bullpen seems to have righted itself right now. Chapman looks like he's regained his form. They have plenty of arms, whether it's Loisaga or Britton, who's bounced back now. And Britton's starting to look like his old self getting the sinker ball going. They have Chad Green. So what else are the Yankees doing? And that and that's kind of been the theme with this team all year long where you talk about, oh, they got to do something and they, they got to add this and they got to do that. Well, what I mean, aside from a significant change in the, the look of this team, which I do think they need, which is not happening, what's going to change? They need the guys here to do what they expect them to do. Otherwise, it's going to be a lost season. I agree. I do think they could upgrade at shortstop. I mean, that's the one thing everybody's been talking about for months and months and months, and I do agree. If you could figure out a way to go out and get, eh, whether it's Trevor Story, Trey Turner, I don't know who, but if you could get a shortstop in here, that to me 
would be significant. That to me is the move. Uh, that's, that's yeah. And now you're them. and now and, and look, I like that because it would take Luke Voigt. I'm assuming out of the equation, you'd move Lemayu or you keep Lemayu at first, move Torres to second, get Odor out of there for the most part, and have whatever shortstop it is take over. I, look, that's a to me that's a a move that I don't know if I would make right now. If the the Yankees could just go sign Trevor Story or one or Baez or whoever. In the offseason, and they don't have to trade. They just give, just pay money, and that's what the Yankees do. Right now, you're going to trade more of the farm system. You just traded a bunch of prospects. I know not top guys for Gallo, but I, I don't I don't think that even that move would put this Yankee team over the top at this point. And speaking of Turner, how about the fact that the Nationals have 12 different people? I know four players and, and eight staffers with COVID, and they got postponed last night. It's Isn't it amazing how every time – you feel like you've taken two, three steps forward. We get punched in the face with this. Yeah, I still don't get it. I mean, I can't wrap my head around it here. I know a lot of people are still not vaccinated, but the you know the, the fact that we're at a point now where we still could have games postponed by this, and it, the, the numbers apparently are getting worse and worse. So it, it's just frustrating. How about what the NFL is doing with it? I mean, they're basically saying, look, you don't you don't get vaccinated. You're you're. I mean, you, you're either not going to play, you're going to forfeit your team. They made it's mandatory for coaches and and front office. Uh, I don't know, Jared. This whole thing well, is just, and I think mandatory for broadcasters too. I'm almost. I didn't even know it. that. I'm. I'm I not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that I think if you're going to come into the stadium and work, I think you have to be vaccinated. I know I provided my stuff, my card, uh, to Compass Media Networks for this year in case I go do a game uh, in place of Kevin Ray or someone else. So I don't. Hmm, I'm. You know, I'm not sure if that's mandatory. Maybe that's their. I forget exactly, but um, that is that's a reality right now. It is, and that's where. And I will take a break. I know Cole Beasley's gotten beaten up for a lot of what he said, and I don't agree with a lot of what he said, but the one thing I do agree with is the fact that he's being told, and if this is the case, it's not right, but again, I understand the, the team's perspective that guys that aren't vaccinated are going to be the first guys cut, unless you're a star that's a difference maker, basically. Well, I'm not so, going to cut Josh Allen. I mean, no, no, no. Obviously, but, it, but if you've got, you know, guy 44 on the roster. And he's not vaccinated, and you got, you know, guy 53, and there's not much of a difference, or 54, you get what I'm saying, you're going to take the other guy. And he is saying that guys are feeling pressured to go get the vaccine. Because of that, they feel like their careers are on the line. But you also understand from the team's perspective, unless you're a star, you better show us that you're better than everybody else. Otherwise, that's going to be one strike against you. So he made that point. I don't think he's wrong, but the whole thing is crazy. Anyway, speaking of Cole Beasley, when we come back, we're going to get into Aaron Rodgers because it's kind of fun, actually, going through what he said yesterday. Uh, Sal is in for Al. It's the warm-up show until 6. Boomer and Geo then on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The home of New York sports is WFAN, 1019 FM, and the Odyssey app. Oh, little Bob Dylan. 20 in front of six, a little bit beyond that, actually. Boomer and Geo come up top of the hour. Sal is in for Al. We got Flegelman in for Al. Eddie's in for himself, and the guys are in, too. I think Bob's back, right? I haven't heard from him. Bob back? Yes. Yes. And Bob's back. Uh, I'm going to play you something, Sal. And this okay. to me, so I heard this yesterday. and It was on TV everywhere. And this was the opening question to the Aaron Rodgers press conference as he is back with the Packers for 2021. We know what's gone on in the offseason, hasn't been around, he's been unhappy, blah, 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 blah. What was this all about for you? Uh, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. Now, in this day and age of the star athlete, you get a lot of no comments, going to keep that in-house. You realize his answer to that question was six minutes long? No, that's Non-stop. Oh, he had a lot to get off his chest, clearly. Now, you tell me how you play this, because I, I heard this live, too, and, of course, the whole editor in me, and I know Lepresti did this, too, yesterday. Now, there's you could play this clip this way when he's talking about going and recruiting free agents. really makes him sound like a D-bag, I think. I wanted to offer my services as a recruiter, you know, 
uh, and I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me. Whoa. <laughs> that sounds Whoa. horrible. But that it, would tick me off if I lived in Green Bay. You know, if I'm a Packers fan living in Wisconsin, that would bother me. And then, you know, making it sound obviously all about him. He's the one draw to the Packers. But now we cut it off because he does go on to say, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. But none of us play the rest of it. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't think it matters what he said after that. He, you got the gist of it. So you he, thought he, that, that was fair just to cut it off. I do. I do think that that was true. And a lot of times, I hate when the clips are edited and taken out of context. I I think that that was proper context. He was meaning people coming here to play with me because we can win a championship, plain well, and simple. And it's funny because later on, he doesn't even realize he does it, but he basically confirms that's what he meant. Because I mean, just talk to Preston Smith. You know why he came here and why he actually took a pay cut to resign. You know, he knows that we got an opportunity to win a championship. When I'm playing. <laughs> when I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best thing. We got an opportunity to win a championship. When I'm playing, by the <laughs> yes, way. I mean, it really is tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, and I won't play it. I'll save it for Boomer and Geo, but I'm sure you heard it all. The one that was a weird one was when they asked about when the Packers got LaFleur. They said, you know, you wanted input. Before they announced it, they called you to tell you that they were going to go with LaFleur. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not what I mean because I had nothing to say about it. I did not. I had nothing to do with Matt Lafleur. It's like wow. that's what I'm talking. Yeah, matter of if I find, you know what, if I can find it, I will play because it, it really was very, very interesting. Um, how he wasn't, he just wasn't into it at all. So uh, here, is this it here? Hmm, maybe not. Well, whatever. It is what it is. So how I'll about play. though? But just how about the misperception that we all thought? Oh, well, he wanted uh, what's his name, McCarthy out. He must have had a say in bringing the floor in, and now he's saying he had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So here it is. So I found it. So they said the, the reporter basically says they did call you um, about the Matt Lafleur hire. Here was his reaction. Yeah, well, I wouldn't call that a partnership. That that part of it. I mean, that, I wasn't involved in those conversations at all. Um, I talked to Matt after the deal had already been in place to hire him as a coach. Um, I wasn't part of that conversation. It was, like, <laughs> it was weird. And then he goes on to say, he goes, but I love him. You know, everything's good. I'm glad he's here. But he goes, let's make it very clear. I had nothing to do with that. It's just a, I mean, you talk about a weird time in Green Bay because he would not say anything beyond this season. He made it very clear, too, that the Jordan Love pick is exactly when things changed in his head. Because we've all, you know, we've discussed that how many times on talk shows that, you know, he was probably ticked off with the Jordan Love thing, and then people would be like, oh, they're paying him a lot of money. He's fine. No, no, he pretty much told you that them picking Jordan Love last year or whenever it was, two years ago, it was last, it was last year, uh, really annoyed him pretty much, and that kind of set everything in motion for where we are now. Really weird well, times. I, I look, he's refreshingly honest. Now, he is unique. He, I mean, is quirky maybe the right word to describe Aaron Rodgers? I don't know, but at least he's honest there. And speaking the truth and letting people know what is really going on. Because there, you know this, Jared, being in the media, a lot of this stuff is is BS that is spewed out there. Whether there's an agenda, whether it's just misinformation that's being received and then being put out there. So good for Aaron Rodgers clearing the air and going out there speaking his mind and saying what truly is happening. Now, I don't know if I love that as a fan or as an organization or as a teammate, but good for him to do that. Well, I do think a lot of what he said yesterday was very complimentary to the fans and the Packers. He stopped himself by saying he's happy to be back with the organization, uh, but he was talking about how much he loves the fans, he loves the team, he loves his teammates. So I think if I was a Packer fan, I'd, I like what I heard to a point, but then, yes, there was a lot that certainly bothered me too. And to your point about you know stories that kind of come out and they come out of nowhere – I heard uh, Carton and Roberts asking Zach Scott yesterday if it's ever happened to him because, you know, we're at trade deadline time. Have you ever seen a report or a story where a guy's got these sources and you're having conversations about a specific player and he didn't hesitate? He goes, not only has it happened, it's happened recently where the other GM called me and said, so you're interested in this guy? I guess we've talked. And he's like, yeah, no, don't know where that came from. And he, he even <laughs> said, I actually think sometimes these guys must make stuff up. And I've said that for you. I have said that over and over. Like, how do you, you know, in a business where I know it's supposed to be ethical and I understand it. And the, the good ones are the great ones are the great ones. I'm not questioning them, but you're trying to make a name for yourself. 
if theoretically you never have to give up your source, why, not to sound like a cynic, but why would you think that others haven't done it? Just to put a story out there to make it look like you're doing your, I don't know. It's, it's especially especially in today's day and age where nobody cares if you're right or wrong. There's no they just want the info. Yeah, there no, really so I, I could technically, I could say I have learned that so-and-so is interested in so-and-so. And use common sense, right? Just use my common sense. Sure. I could be first to it. Uh, I'm hearing the Mets are interested in, in going out there and getting Chris Bryant, and it sounds like a deal is going to happen. And then that gets blown up. And let's say it doesn't happen. What's going to happen to me? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, nobody. I mean, obviously, I, I might get in trouble from Boom. from work for, for tweeting out uh, nonsense stuff. But I'm talking about my perception, and that's not my job to do that. But if I'm a, if that is my job to go out there and do that, some kind of a, you know reporter, if they do that, there is no repercussions from it. You can go out there and spew nonsense and make stuff up. And if you hit, you get the accolades. If you miss, it's on to the next one. Who got it right? That's and, what it's about. And let's be honest. I mean, these guys, and it's just the nature of the beast. They're going to miss more than they do hit. I mean, it is what it is because you might have the greatest information. Nothing's a hundred percent and things can always change and switch last minute. So they're not going to always be right. But yeah, it was interesting when I heard him say that, you know, and he, I think he said it half joking, but just to hear a GM say, I think these guys, you know, might make stuff up sometimes. You know what? I've thought that all along. And I think a lot of people think that too, you know, because some of the stories come out of left field and when they don't come to fruition, it's like, well, where'd that come from? Like, who's your source? Is it your brother-in-law? You know? (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. And that's why you can't, you know what? I don't even put stock in it. And a lot of this stuff, even though it may not be made up, a lot of this stuff is probably leaked purposely by agents or other teams or lesser level guys that have no real say in a front office. There are a lot of members of a team's front office. And a lot of times people may think they have information or may hear some stuff, and then they want to get their, you know, uh, their connections working, so they throw out what they think they might have heard, and or leaking stuff that is purposely meant to be leaked. I, it, it's such a and and again, being in the media and working at a couple of different places and talking to people who do this stuff for a living, I know some of it and, and how it works, and it is it really is just bizarre this time of year. And real quick, you mentioned you know leaks to the media and stuff like that. To circle back and to wrap up the Aaron Rodgers conversation, he also made it quite clear that anything that came out came from the Packers, that he said nothing, and he's got assurances that his agents said nothing. So anything that was written about and any source in any of those stories, again, who knows if it was made up or not, but he made it clear that came from them, not us. So that was like another – he took enough shots yesterday. That was another dig that – I mean, if you're Gutenkunst and you're listening to this, I would love to know Mm -hmm. what they were saying – as he was just tearing them to shreds, moment, and he did. I mean, for 32 minutes, he crushed them. So, if welcome back. Oh my God, here we go, NFL season 2021 style, pretty cool. All right, we'll take one final break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. A little NBA conversation for you because something's going on tonight that you know it's interesting. For the first time in a long time, it's not really right in front of our minds because of where the Knicks and Nets played and finished this year. But right now, in Odyssey Sports Minute, Amy Lawrence on Guess Who? Aaron Rodgers. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, we got a couple more minutes, so we get you to Boomer and Geo at the top. Uh, Mets one, Yankees one. Even though Al's not here, it is time for a little thing we call Sal Buzz or No Buzz. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. All right, so here you go. Here's your Buzz, No Buzz, Al. Uh, Sal. You tell me what you think. NBA draft tonight. Buzz, No Buzz. No Buzz. None, right? Yeah, I, I just actually don't feel for- it. I forgot about. Well, and you don't feel it because. Your Knicks had a really good season, and they don't draft until they go 19. Now, unless they package 19 and 21 and they move up somehow, they're drafting 19th. The Nets are 27th. Who cares? It's just like, it's like whatever. And you got the you know the top teams. Eh, you really give a rat's behind what the Pistons do or the Houston Rockets? Not even a little bit. Now, the only thing that might be intriguing is some of the big names that might be rumored to be out there. Those type of moves. That it's less to me about the actual draft and what players get selected by who, and more about what other moves, big moves, might be made. Yeah, but now think about the NFL draft. We'd be talking about this even even if 
And, you know, the Jets have had, obviously, high picks lately. But mm-hmm. even if the Jets were picking 19th and the Giants were 21st, the NFL draft is still a huge story. Whereas, the, the you know, baseball, the one with Lighters kid was, all right, that was interesting, but no one cares. I mean, it is what it is. Until he, until he pitches for the Rangers, no one cares. And the NHL draft, I mean, these other leagues can do whatever the hell they want to do. It's got nothing like what the NFL has. And, and basketball is big here, especially with the Knicks being so good this year. It's just I don't know. It's just so funny how no one. Cares. I think the I think the diehard Nick the Nick fans are into it now. Me personally, me and you, uh, I'm, and I'm I am a Nick fan, but I just can't you know, I can't get into. It. I'm not a big college basketball fan, so I have no idea who the hell the Knicks are taking. We don't know who's going to be there. These mock drafts are ridiculous. But yeah, and and not to say they couldn't get a good player, but there is less excitement because it's later in the. Well, first and round. also the fact that you have a lot of European players every year seems to be the case, and you don't know what they are because we don't watch them. You know, if you want to tell me you have a clue that you, the, that uh, the Knicks take a kid from wherever, from UCLA, or you at least you can sit there and say, oh, maybe I saw him a few times. You take these kids from overseas. I mean, some of them turn out to be Luka Doncic, and some can turn out to be Frederick Weiss, as we've seen from back in the day. And you don't know. <laughs> who was the guy? I always forget. the What was the kid's name? In, uh, the Darko Milicic, was that the kid's name that the Pistons took back in the day? Is yeah. that right? Yeah, so, I believe so, yes. And that was, he was what, second overall? I mean, you talk right, about having, Carmelo. Yeah, and you'd have no excitement if that was who you took because you don't know a damn thing about him. So now you're taking it. W-F-A-N and W-F-A-N-F-A-N. All right, see you later. New York and Odyssey Station.